0: Letter fifty nine of Letters of John Keats to his Family and Friends, edited by Sidney Colvin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. To Thomas Keats, Bellantry for Ballantrae, July tenth. Ah, ken ye what I met the day out o'er the mountains, a coming down by craggy's grey and mossy fountains? A good haired marie eve, I pray, and minutes guessing, for that I met upon the way is past expressing as i stood where a rocky brig a torrent crosses i spied upon a misty rig a troop o horses and as they trotted down the glen i sped to meet them to see if i might know the men to stop and greet them first Willie on a sleek mare came at canting gallop his long hair rustled like a flame on board a shallop then came his brother rob and then young Peggy's mither, and piggy too at down the glen they went together I saw her wrap it in a hood, free wind and raining. Her cheek was flush with timid blood, twixt growth and waning. She turned her dazed head, full laughed for there her brothers came riding with a bridegroom, soft in mony others. Young Tam came up and eyed me quick with red in cheek. Brought Tam was daffid like a chick; he couldn't speak. Ah, Marie, they are all gain home through blustering weather and every heart is full on flame and light is feather ah murray they're all gone home free happy wedding. we'll stye ah is it not a shame sad tears am shedding my dear tom the reason for my writing these lines was that brown wanted to impose a galloway song upon dilke but it won't do the subject i got from meeting a wedding just as we came down into this place where i am afraid we shall be imprisoned awhile by the weather yesterday we came twenty-seven miles from Stranral, entered ayrshire a little beyond cairn and had our path through a delightful country i shall endeavour that you may follow our steps in this walk it would be uninteresting in a book of travels it cannot be interesting but by my having gone through it when we left cairn our road lay half-way up the sides of a green mountainous shore full of clefts of verdure and eternally varying sometimes up sometimes down and over little bridges going across green chasms of moss rock and trees winding about everywhere after two or three miles of this we turned suddenly into a magnificent glen finely wooded in parts seven miles long with a mountain stream winding down the midst full of cottages in the most happy situations the sides of the hills covered with sheep the effect of cattle lowing i never had so finely at the end we had a gradual ascent and got among the tops of the mountains whence in a little time i descried in the sea ailsa rock nine hundred and forty feet high it was fifteen miles distant and seemed close upon us the effect of ailsa with the peculiar perspective of the sea in connection with the ground we stood on and the misty rain then falling gave me a complete idea of a deluge ailsa struck me very suddenly really i was a little alarmed girvan same day july tenth thus far had i written before we set out this morning now we are at girvan thirteen miles north of bellentree our walk has been along a more grand shore to-day than yesterday ailsa beside us all the way from the heights we could see quite at home kintyre and the large mountains of Arran, one of the hebrides we are in comfortable quarters the rain we feared held up bravely and it has been foof fine this day to-morrow we shall be at Ayr. kirk oswald july eleventh tis now the eleventh of july and we have come eight miles to breakfast to kirk oswald i hope the next kirk will be kirk alloway I have nothing of consequence to say now concerning our journey, so I will speak as far as I can judge on the Irish and Scotch. I know nothing of the higher classes, yet I have a persuasion that there the Irish are victorious. As to the profanum vulgus I must incline to the Scotch. They never laugh, but they are always comparatively neat and clean. Their constitutions are not so remote and puzzling as the Irish the scotchman will never give a decision on any point he will never commit himself in a sentence which may be referred to as a meridian in his notion of things so that you do not know him and yet you may come in nigher neighbourhood to him than to the irishman who commits himself in so many places that it dazes your head a scotchman's motive is more easily discovered than an irishman's a scotchman will go wisely about to deceive you an irishman cunningly An Irishman would bluster out of any discovery to his disadvantage. A Scotchman would retire, perhaps, without much desire for revenge. An Irishman likes to be thought a gallus fellow. A Scotchman is contented with himself. It seems to me they are both sensible of the character they hold in England, and act accordingly to Englishmen. Thus the Scotchman will become over-grave and over-decent, and the Irishman over-impetuous. I like a Scotchman best, because he is less of a bore. I like the Irishman best, because he ought to be more comfortable. The Scotchman has made up his mind within himself, in a sort of snail-shell wisdom. The Irishman is full of strong-headed instinct. The Scotchman is farther in humanity than the Irishman. There he will stick, perhaps, when the Irishman will be refined beyond him. For the former thinks he cannot be improved the latter would grasp at it for ever, place but the good plain before him. Mabel, same day, July 11th. Since breakfast we have come only four miles to dinner. Not merely, for we have examined in the way two ruins, one of them very fine, called Crossregal Abbey. There is a winding staircase to the top of a little watch-tower. Kingswells, July 13th. I have been riding to Reynolds therefore any particulars since kirk oswald have escaped me from said kirk we went to mabel for dinner then we set forward to burness's town ayr the approach to it is extremely fine quite outwent my expectations richly meadowed wooded heathed and rivuleted with a grand sea-view terminated by the black mountains of the isle of Arran. as soon as i saw them so nearly i said to myself how is it they did not beckon burns to some grand attempt at epic the bonny dune is the sweetest river i ever saw overhung with fine trees as far as we could see we stood some time on the brig across it over which tam o'shanter fled we took a pinch of snuff on the keystone then we proceeded to the auld kirkalloway as we were looking at it a farmer pointed the spot where mungo's mither hanged herself, and drunken Charlie breaks next spain then we proceeded to the cottage he was born in there was a board to that effect by the door-side it had the same effect as the same sort of memorial at stratford-on-avon we drank some toddies to burns memory with an old man who knew burns damn him and damn his anecdotes he was a great bore it was impossible for a southron to understand above five words in a hundred There was something good in his description of burns's melancholy the last time he saw him i was determined to write a sonnet in the cottage i did but it was so bad i cannot venture it here next we walked into Ayr town and before we went to tea saw the new brig and the old brig and the wallace tower yesterday we dined with a traveller we were talking about keen He said he had seen him at Glasgow in Othello in the Jew. I mean, er, 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 the Jew in Shylock. He got bothered completely in vague ideas of the Jew and Othello, Shylock in the Jew, Shylock in Othello, Othello in Shylock, the Jew in Othello, and so on and so on and so on. He left himself in a mess at last. Still satisfied with himself, he went to the window and gave an abortive whistle of some tune or other. It might have been Handel. There's no end to these mistakes. He'll go and tell people how he's seen Malvolio in the Countess, Twelfth the Night in Midsummer Night's Dream, Bottom in Much Ado About Nothing, Viola and Barrymore, Antony and Cleopatra, Falstaff in the Mousetrap. Glasgow, July fourteenth. We entered Glasgow last evening under a most oppressive stare a body could feel when we had crossed the bridge brown looked back and said its whole population had turned out to wonder at us we came on till a drunken man came up to me i put him off with my arm he returned all up in arms saying aloud that he had seen all foreigners but but he never saw the like o me i was obliged to mention the word officer and police before he would desist the city of glasgow i take to be a very fine one I was astonished to hear it was twice the size of Edinburgh. It is built of stone and has a much more solid appearance than London. We shall see the cathedral this morning. They have devilled it into High Kirk. I want very much to know the name of the ship George has gone in, also what port he will land in. I know nothing about it. I hope you are leading a quiet life and gradually improving. Make a long lounge of the whole summer. By the time the leaves fall I shall be near you with plenty of confab. There are a thousand things I cannot write. Take care of yourself. I mean in not being vexed or bothered at anything. God bless you. John End of letter 59